Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. Joining me today is Michael S. Seaver. He is an award-winning executive coach, author, keynote speaker, podcast host. He's kind of like me, but with a different name. (laughs) We do a lot of the same things, Michael. (laughs) And this is, this is why this is so much fun. Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio. Thank you so much, Dr. Paul, for having me and having a tremendous <laughs> sense of humor. I love it. Well, we're going to have some fun today because <laughs> when it comes to positive psychology, uh, you and I are, are enthusiasts about this. Um, you've been approaching it from a little different angle. Uh, obviously, everybody has their own story. I went through the whole get a PhD in psychology route to become a full-blown psychologist. And then I had to leave the tribe to actually embrace the the concepts that allow me to do what I'm doing now in the positive psychology field. And we might get into that a little bit more, but I would love to invite you first, Michael, to share a little bit about your story, where you're coming from. Why are you so, so passionate about helping people to fulfill their, their purpose in life and to attach to these positive psychology principles. Tell us a little bit about you and yeah. where you're coming from. Of course. And thank you again for uh, offering me this opportunity to, to, to share some new ideas maybe with some folks. And uh, yeah. I was raised in a very small town in West Michigan of 2,500 people, basically farmers uh, in a very, very small town. And my parents uh, at the time had a landscaping and lawn maintenance company. And it was a very significant challenge for me because I felt like a robot inside of their business, constantly taking uh, orders, but never really allowed to be my authentic self. So mm-hmm. in 2003, I left, Ari- I left Michigan and moved to Arizona and went through the process of working in hospitality for about four years. And then I started an MBA at the Thunderbird School of Global Management. And that's where my life changed because at age 28, I was introduced to a coach that taught me how to be authentic. She gave me a process, she gave me some resources and she said, okay, even though these challenges have uh, existed for you in this early part of your life, this phase right now, you're overcoming the challenge and your life's mission and why everybody should be paying attention to this message is my life's mission is about then helping other people overcome the exact same challenge I overcame for myself. So challenge, overcome challenge, now help others overcome that challenge. And so now my work is always about how to help unlock human potential and how to help people become the most authentic versions of themselves because I was not allowed to be that when I was young. This authenticity, Michael, this is a word that gets tossed around a lot. And I think that there's kind of an underlying understanding for most folks that, yeah, okay, that would be an important thing without maybe even fully realizing what's getting in their way to becoming fully authentic. Yep. 
And when you say unlocking human potential, that might be just another way of saying be fully authentic. Sure. Yeah, I agree. Right. Yep. So from your perspective and your experience, how have you defined that? And what have you noticed that it that gets in our way for accomplishing that? Yeah. So for me, I, I kind of came to this conclusion for myself that all humans come to earth with a earth school curriculum, if you will, like they have specific mm. things on earth that they're meant to learn. So each of us comes with a defined set of things that we're meant to experience and learn and emotionally process. And when we are at uh, the very beginning stages of our life, I've been following Dr. Bruce Lipton in his research around brainwave states and how the things that we learn from birth until age six, while we're in the theta brainwave state, go straight into our subconscious. And then when we move after age six into the beta brainwave state, right, where we're kind of functioning at a different level mentally, we're basically pulling from our subconscious. And so we repeat the same behaviors over and over again. So my work is very much about how do I help people understand what their earth school curriculum may be, and then how the social, societal kind of acculturation conditioning that they might have received in those early years from their parents or from a guardian or from society or community, how that might have uh, shaped their perspective away from their earth school curriculum, if you will. And so now I'm in this place of helping them to do that and find a way to say, okay, what might you have come here to do? What is it that you learned in those younger years? And what do we need to do now to shed some of those habits and those mores and those norms and introduce slowly over a period of time, something new that's much more aligned with your life's mission or curriculum. Earth school curriculum. So it's not a test, it's a class. <laughs> For as long as you're here, folks, it's a class. <laughs> you know, what? I love that concept. And I've, I've actually had other guests here on the show and colleagues who have suggested, yeah, maybe we're, our whole purpose here is to learn whatever our curriculum is perfectly designed to teach us. And yes. I think you get multiple opportunities to learn it, but the tuition goes up. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, uh, I was on the phone earlier today with a client who is in Namibia in Africa, and right. I was trying to explain it to him through the lens of an upward spiral. And so as we're climbing this upward spiral of our earth school curriculum, we will be confronted by at either deeper levels of emotion or increasing levels of difficulty as we're climbing the spiral, these challenges and these moments of our curriculum that we need to learn something. And so if people can envision that upward spiral and know that as they're spinning, they're going to come back to a similar point and be confronted by, for me, it was authenticity, right? There have been many times that I've been challenged to be authentic, that when they understand that, then they recognize that as they shed a previous version of themselves and walk into this new version, they're prepared and ready for the capability to deal with these new challenges or this new curriculum, if you will. I like the concept. It, for me, <laughs> that changes the game because in my experience as a professional psychologist, I've noticed that people start to experience misery if they feel like they're not where they should be or, you know, they're behind the game somehow, or that this is not how it should be. 
But this idea that you've introduced to us here suggests that, well, this is your course. Yeah. This is part of your curriculum. Yeah. And if this is a, a if this is a course, then what's the lesson? Let's yeah. learn the lesson so we can move on. Exactly. Whatever's next. So I love your message, Dr. Paul, because in, in one of the videos on YouTube that you shared, you talked about how we can see positive outcomes in painful situations. And that aligns incredibly strongly with my message because I talk an awful lot about how our pain becomes our purpose or our mess becomes our message, or right. we can be the person we needed when we were younger. And that's the thing that triggers a lot of meaning for us. And so as we uncover what our meaning is, we find deeper senses of awareness by saying, what is it that I really would have enjoyed when I was a youngster? And for me, that would have been a mentor or a coach or an adult that would have listened at a deep level. So now I find deep meaning in my life and I'm able to overcome challenges a bit more quickly because I do those things for others, whether it's serving as a board member, whether it's being a mentor, whether it's being a coach in my full-time profession, I'm a stepdad to a 20-year-old. And so I have these situations in these environments where I can be the very thing that I wish that I would have had years ago. Become that. Well, what's the alternative? Curling up um, in a corner somewhere and bemoaning the fact that you never had it? <laughs> well, yeah, it is, right? So we feel dis-ease or we feel unhappiness, right? If you follow Gallup and, you know, the, there's only 36% of American workers that are genuinely happy, right? Or Gallup has another poll called uh, How Are We Thriving? And only about 45 or 46% of Americans are thriving. So the alternative, if we don't do this, is going to be disease. It's going to be unhappiness. It's going to be disengagement. It's going to be later in life, it'll be regret. And I think those are the things that we genuinely want to avoid if we're going to live a good life or be able to look back on our life and say, gosh, I learned my curriculum or I had a good time or my life had purpose. Right. Before we get into our break, Michael, maybe you can help us out with where do we start? If, if we see, you know, the lights are going on, okay, I need to be more authentic or, uh, or whatever that realization is, where do we start? Yeah. Um, the way that I do it is I, I ask people to collect five pieces of data. Number one, a personality assessment, like a DISC or Myers-Briggs or Emergenetics or whatever your profile is. If you know your communication preferences, that's a big first step. Number two is there's a motivators assessment, which is really, really good and helpful. That gives you more information about why you do what you do. Number three, understand your core values, right? Really deep down inside as you've learned these lessons over time, how can we then understand ourselves through that lens? Number four is I put my clients through a 10 question Q&A that's designed to pull out patterns and themes from their life. Mm -hmm. And number five is I want them to really aggregate all of their strengths or their authority or the things that they're great at. So if someone just took a couple of days or a weekend to gather those five sources and then to look them all over and to see themselves objectively, that's a tremendous place to start. Whoa. Okay. This is getting scary now. <laughs> You know what? As you share this, Michael, I'm thinking we have some kind of, I don't know, protective instinct, maybe it is. The, you know, the, the, the brain's fight or flight response that tries to keep us away from things that seem threatening. Mm -hmm. 
And as you list these five pieces of data, what you're talking about is getting to know yourself better. Is that on target? Completely, yes. And that's what can be scary because sometimes we're, we're afraid of what we're going to discover. Agreed. And why? Why would we be afraid of that? You and I can look at any third person and we can say, wow, what, a, what an amazing human being that is, you know, with their strengths and their characteristics. But from inside of your own skull and your own skin, it, there's this fear. And maybe this was programmed in when we were younger. This, this fear of if people really saw me, they wouldn't like me. Yeah, you, you nailed it. That's what it is, is that when we're younger, we are acculturated or taught what it means to be a member of society. So we were, we are basically taught at those phases of life, what's acceptable and what's not. Right. And so oftentimes in those circumstances, we are told by a parent, here's behavior you can do, here's behavior that is not acceptable. But what we're oftentimes doing is we're humans are a very social species, right? We're trying to find a way to gain acceptance, but each of us has a distinct fear that we have to confront in order to find that level of acceptance. Mm. Humans naturally dislike change, especially when it's bestowed upon them because we want to be accepted, right? We don't want to be excluded by being vulnerable or somebody finding something out about us that we don't want them to know. So when we try to control our own narrative or our own brand, that kind of hurts us a little bit because as Brene Brown talks about being a little bit courageous to be just a little bit vulnerable is the very thing that will allow you to overcome the fear, accept the change and be in a place of strength. There's some paradoxes. They're not new. A, a lot of people have been through these things. As we come back from this break, Michael, I would love to continue this conversation about how we get to that place of being truly authentic Folks, we will be right back. This is Michael S. Seaver at Live On Purpose Radio. Are you ready to take your positivity to a whole new level? I've been enjoying these conversations with my guests at Live On Purpose Radio. My own story about becoming more positive is something that I've shared in my book, Pathological Positivity. And right now I'm giving the book away. You just pay for the shipping. Go to drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R, and click on the big orange button right there that will get you a free copy of my book. You pay the shipping, I'll pay for the book. Sound like a good deal? Power up your positivity and get ready to see phenomenal changes in your happiness, your relationships, your business, every aspect of life. Enjoy this free gift from me. DrPaulJenkins.com. And we're back. Michael S. Seaver. That just sounds like it's got some you know, substance to it when I say it that way. I, I appreciate your confidence in me, Dr. Paul. I mean, it means a lot. I'm grateful. Well, I appreciate people like you who are willing to take your life's experience Take what you've learned, realize, hey, other people probably still trying to figure this out and put yourself in a position to assist them, which has, has a really sweet compensation behind it. Because when you step up and help other people with this, you get a firmer grasp on, on the concepts yourself. Exactly. Has that been your experience? 
Completely true. And that's why I'm such an advocate for the process that I kind of discussed before break is that when we have this opportunity to be the person we needed when we were younger, we, we heal some of those previous traumas, if you will, faster. Uh, but then we also pay forward the healing to those who could use it. Exactly. And it can feel vulnerable. You mentioned Brene Brown. I, I've been listening to her uh, leadership book on Dare to Lead. Sure. And covering some of the same topics that, that we're used to hearing from, from Brene about vulnerability, authenticity, be, being real. And that feels scary to some people, but it's exactly what we're looking for. It's what helps us to feel more human and to move forward with, with confidence. Great. So there's some paradoxes there. And, and when you gave us, you said, look, there's these five data points. Okay. We're going we're gonna to figure out some things about what makes you tick. And as you bring that together, you get to, it's like looking in a mirror where, where you get to see yourself a little more clearly and I, I'm curious, Michael, as you bring together with your clients, for example, you have them do some assessment. Let's take an objective, as objective as it can be. I mean, all these assessments are built by humans too, but sure, completely. Um, let's take as, as objective as a look as we can at how you function in these particular areas, how you stack up against other people on certain measures, and then see what it tells us you have some way of taking that information and then helping to translate that into, I call it the therefore what. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what are the data and what do they mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Walk us through that. I, uh, for transparency's sake, I'm a pretty big introvert and I'm pretty task oriented. So I am, uh, I really like to be able to see numbers and process information and process patterns. And so, after I've collected those five data points, I attempt to look for six, seven, or eight themes or patterns that run across all of those data points. Because uh -huh. then, I, then I know that there's validity in the data about the person. So after I've come up with those six, seven, or eight themes, if you will, about that person, now I can help him or her write a personal mission statement, right? Just a one sentence, very, very quick statement. Here's my life's mission. Here's how I'm going to help people. Here's what's, here's my life's uh, work, if you will. So a mission, we've got your top five core values. We can also convert those five data pieces into a unique value proposition, right? What is that one paragraph about you that makes you really different and unique in the marketplace? But then we can also do the fourth thing, which is to set really important goals. And so, uh, as I mentioned before, break, I'm a big dork for action, right? So it's important yeah. to me to, to make sure that we move to action. So five data sources, find the patterns or themes that run throughout, then write the mission, core values, and a unique value proposition for the person, then set some goals. That's where we can start to move into the old William Bridges model of transition, right? In his book, Managing Transitions. So we have to look at the person and say, now they're going to start taking action. There are three phases of change. They have to end and let go of something, they have to move into a neutral zone where they experiment and try, and then they got to move into this place of being able to really fully commit. So my work is about very early on in a relationship with a client is to find the mission and find the values and find the value proposition to find the goals, and then figure out how do we tangibly change their life by ending something 
putting them in an emotional neutral zone that's challenging, but then give them some support to start planning and moving something forward. And in that, I think is that that's where we find a lot more happiness as opposed to some of that bass, that bad disengagement that, that we were talking about earlier. Right. Right. There's something that's embedded in what you're sharing with us here, Michael. And as, as a coach, um, I'm in this position as well. I've been a, a psychologist now for going on 30 years and I've been in the seat my entire career of being the one who's assisting someone else to see themselves more clearly. But guess what? I hire coaches and I've probably spent more on my coaches than any of my clients have spent on me. Uh, because when we get inside of our own head and our own skin, we don't see it the same way as someone who's looking at it from a different angle, a different perspective. Could you comment for a minute about the value of personal coaching when it comes to becoming more authentic? Oh, my gosh. I very similar to you, Dr. Paul, in that I've had a number of people throughout my life that have helped me with various aspects of my business to various aspects of my personal life. Right. And I value them immensely, right? Because when we form that mental model of our world based on the things that our parents teach us when we're younger, um, we oftentimes forget that there are 8 billion other people on the planet who have very different mental models and very different approaches. And so there's a lot of value in being able to see different perspectives or seeing things through a new lens. And I believe that we should never coach on something that we haven't had pure experience with ourselves first, right? So I always want to make sure that I'm engaging other coaches and therapists and counselors and mentors and people around me that can genuinely provide me information because there's always going to be that serendipitous nugget of information. That's exactly what I needed to hear at exactly the right time that puts things together, like the pieces of the puzzle together in a way that I would not have been able to do myself before without hearing that information. The, the coaching, I'm a big fan of basketball. Love it. Yep. And I've noticed that some of my favorite players are very, very open to coaching from people who have reasons to know. Okay. Usually the coach is a much more seasoned, experienced. They may not be a better basketball player. Sure. In fact, most of, most of them, you know, the, the, these young hot shots that are coming out now just blow me away with their sheer talent and ability, but they're open to the coaching from from wise mentors who have the advantage of looking at it with the experience and the perspective that helps them to see it very differently. And they yep. become better players as a result. Yeah. A big fan. Yeah. Of it matters tremendously. I think, you know, we, as society has developed and advanced over the last, let's say 50 years, we were in an environment where we mainly learned through K through 12 or through the university system. And we might've had a teacher, we might've had a coach, but it really was relatively limited in the way we learned. Now we're in an environment where since basically 1995, 1996, we've been able to gain access to the world's information at, at our fingertip. Right. And so the, 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 the pace at which we evolve or the pace at which we compete or the pace at which we grow is exponentially faster. 
And so that means that some of those younger folks that are really genuinely interested in being the best at what it is that they do, they recognize that they can't wait for some of those old systems because they're designed for a different type of growth, but where they can find that other more maybe spiritual, maybe emotional, maybe mental growth that can come from peers. It can come from coaches. It can come from people that are close and they can learn really quickly. So I just see these changes and these shifts happening in society. And I think that we can all learn pretty darn fast these days. You know, you mentioned that we, here we are engaged in our earth school curriculum. <laughs> and, and, and you just acknowledged also that this, this world around us is changing. We truly live in the information age at this point and, and the technological explosion age where, where things are happening so fast. And the, some of the traditional ways that we think about learning may or may not serve us well now. I'm, I'm wondering, what would it look like if in school, the final exam was, here's something you've never heard of. Show me, show me the links to three videos with credible sources that would help you to learn more about that and five thought leaders in this area. <laughs> I, that, how quick, is, that, is that heaven on earth? Is that heaven? <laughs> that's how our world works. Uh, the traditional method is, can you memorize and, and replicate this information? Yeah. And that's just, that's just not serving us as well. No, we, we've matriculated past that. I, I'm yeah. giving a talk tomorrow to a group, and it's part of the research that I was doing in preparation for the talk was I learned that there is a school at Harvard called the Weiss Institute. Mm. And they learned three years ago that one gram of human DNA holds 215 petabytes of data, right? So they, which is 215 million gigabytes. So technology has advanced so rapidly that human DNA can now be ethically used for data storage. Like, <laughs> 10, 20 years ago, that was not a thing, but we are at this place right now where human day, DNA can be used for storage. So we're at the precipice of some really big changes. And the faster we learn from our peers and our colleagues and our coaches, the better off we're going to be. Right. Wow. You've, you've got me thinking about a number of things, Michael, <laughs> and I'm sure that this has triggered some interest with some of our listeners here today on the podcast Where's the best place for them to connect to you and, and get more of this? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you've said my name a couple of times, which is awesome. So thank you, Dr. Paul. So the website, michaelssiever.com, my middle name is Scott. So two S's there in the center, michaelssiever.com is the place where you can learn about how my crazy mind works. And that Seaver spelled S-E-A-V-E-R. Don't forget the middle initial which yep. stands for Scott, but you're not Michael Scott. <laughs> That's a, yeah, we won't get into that right now, but michaelssiever.com. That's where you can connect to our guests today. Michael, thank you so much for your contributions here at Live On Purpose Radio. It is my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed our time immensely. Folks, you've heard it. It's time to apply it. Let's all go live on purpose. <laughs>